Hey everyone, it's Nigel here, giving you a heads up that Tazzy and I are on a recording break for January before we return for season 5 of the Story x Story podcast. That means that over the next few weeks, you'll be hearing rewind episodes of our past live streams. It will be a chance to showcase some of the other shows that we do as part of My Matter in case you miss them. So you'll be hearing Tazzy and I talk video games in the Gamepad Report, as well as hearing interviews we've done with comic creators and cosplayers. So stay tuned for those discussions and we'll be back recording new episodes of the Story x Story podcast in February. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Casual Conversations with Comic Creators. My name is Nigel and you're tuned in to the My Matter show where we speak with a different comic creator about their journey and the work that goes into creating what they do. So the idea for this series is every month I will be speaking one-on-one -on -one with a different comic creator in a bid to showcase the people behind the art as we talk about each person's story. So I make comics as well. You might have already known that if you follow our, any of our live streams or podcasts, but just in case you didn't, now you do. But we're not here to talk about my comics. We are here to talk about the person who is in uh, the window next to mine. So allow me to introduce illustrator and comic creator, Dominique Yung. Uh, Dominique, welcome. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. How's it going? Yeah, going good. Going very good. Are you? Yeah, it's been a it's been a busy busy week of juggling. I've done a lot of juggling. Which, uh, if you listen to our podcast, you'll know all the things that we're we're juggling. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing good. So uh, a little background on Dominique. As I mentioned, she's an illustrator and comic artist based in London, just like myself. Well, I'm not an illustrator, I'm a comic writer. But anyway, like I said, this isn't about me. Her work has been published by Self-Made Self Hero, Quindry Press and Limit Break, among others. And she's also one of Broken Frontier's six small press creators to watch of 2020. And her comic, The Dog and the Cat, was nominated for an Ignax Award. Am I pronouncing that right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's all cool. good. All right, make sure of that. So this is the series where just have a casual conversation. Uh, it's kind of right there in the title. And what's interesting um, about Dominique, actually there's many things that are interesting and we'll get into those, but one of the things that links to a previous episode of Casual Conversations is you have worked with a previous guest, Chris Manson, who mm -hmm. I spoke to on episode number five about a Kickstarter project um, that you were working on. At the time, it was in progress. So it was still, the campaign was live. Uh, we're talking about some of the ins and outs, some of his stories. It's now done and successful. And now we have another creator to speak about it. So let's just start there. Like, do you wanna tell us about the, the campaign, what it is just for uh, people who will be watching this either live or afterwards? or an audio, what it was about, and how you feel now that you have a successful campaign under your belt. So Tilt uh, was, a, uh, well, it is a comic anthology uh, published by Quindry Press. So it was a like, comic anthology, so several uh, short comics. There were six of them. So there was me, Chris, 
and like set like several other artists as well and it was black and white black and white anthology and like my like my story personally was called the mon like the monster and the girl so it's sort of like dark fairy tale like a monster it's like wounded and discovered by this young like this young child and the child like starts taking care like taking care of it and they form a bond and like start finding out more about each other and looking after each other but the other stories as well, like they're, they're all really different. Like there isn't necessarily like one sort of theme. Like connecting all of them is just like a collection of short comics uh, mm. by a bunch of different creators, like all black and white as well. And like I think submitted a pitch to Quindry Press a while ago for a different thing, and I didn't get in. I didn't get into that one, but uh, Quindry Press really liked like the story, like the story I put forward, and suggested like oh. Do you want this to be used in like and to go into our anthology instead? And uh, that seemed pretty good to me. And like I really love the work that Quindry Press puts out. And so I said yes. And like like over the course like like since last year, like all of us have been working together to like to create these stories to put together in the anthology and everything. And it's been like it was it was really good. It was really exciting. Like. Eve and Harry like were both really good both really good to work with, like lots of great critical feedback on like the stories and what could yeah. be improved. And they were and, the editors. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like we had our own like little Discord group as well, like all like the Quindy Press artists and like the artists who were working on Tilt at that time. So we'd share like work in progress too with each other and everything. So it, it felt like a real like proper like collab like collaborative effort that like you weren't just sort of working away <laughs> in silence like when the only contact was with the editors but you could like see everybody's work and like see how everyone was doing as well okay so you can kind of keep people like not just in the loop but also like support the process of making and because it, it's a i mean i've done uh, some kickstarter campaigns and it's a tough process that here to get it ready once it's launched and then getting everything like ready, hopefully if it's successful, then getting everything out. So mm-hmm. I can imagine it it helps to be in that team environment, even if it is virtually. I, I imagine, because I know Chris is in Scotland, you're in London, and then just people in different places. So it helps to have that digital platform to help each other. Yeah, definitely. Because like, I've done like I've done like uh, quite a few anthologies at this point, and like some of some of them is just like oh, the only contact you have is with the editor, like a little back and forth, like feedback and everything. Make sure everything looks looks good, and then you send it off, and then it's like it gets printed printed all together or kickstarted or what, whatever they end up doing, and then that like you get paid, and that's it, which is still fine. But I do like. Like the anthologies I have done where like we've had our own like sort of like chat group and everything and the other artists like and the editors all like talking like talking together, we share our work and everything. Like like I really enjoyed that aspect of like these particular anthologies because it felt like it felt like we had more like a of a community together and everything. And so like, I also got to know like to know the other artists a bit more as well. Like they weren't just like a list of names like that ended up in the book i get that so yeah so you, you you've got this team and had you worked with people before or was it just everyone was completely new to you uh, i think i think harry and i harry and i were in an anthology together actually before i think which one was it i think it was the like come together by Di- like uh, by discord comics so that one was like and um, like 
an anthology sort of around the theme of reunion and like sort of kicks like the idea but like the editors had like when they like when they first put together was like this was like shortly after or like the brexit stuff right. like, and votes and all that had happened and so it's like okay oh, we want to do right. yeah yeah and so we wanted they wanted to do an anthology like with european artists specifically around the theme of reunion that's like the name cut like come together as well mm. all right so you've had some like previous experience of sort of working with a, a collective on, on different stories had you had experience of kickstarter campaigns was this uh, the first campaign had you done others previously uh, yeah, so I've been in, like I'd, I've been involved in like comic anthologies that were kickstarted before. So like again, that it was like come together, and there's like the Dark Lady Returns, which is like a horror comic anthology. Then also I've also done which one was it? There was Nectar as well, which was also like run by Discord Comics. And so yeah, like I've done like I've done a few like anthologies at this point that which most most of them were like Kickstarter projects. All right, so you had a, had a track record of, of Kickstarter campaigns. How did you find this one then, given it, it wasn't your first one? Was there anything that found, uh, say, I guess, different or anything that, because every campaign's, you know, it, its own unique thing. Was there anything particular about this that you, you learned, like, going through it? Like, how did you find the experience of it? Uh, well, I mean, like, with the with the Kickstarter stuff, like, running the campaign and everything, like, all credit for that goes to, like, Quindry Press, like, Eve, Harry, and, like, like, ev- like everyone there. So, like, all credit for, like, actually running it, it's, like, goes goes to them. Like, all I, all I did was, like, cr- like create a comic for the anthology. And, yeah, well, like, you said all you did, but, yeah, still. <laughs> 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 that's some, there's some work involved in that as well. Oh yeah, like yeah, definitely. But like a diff- a different kind of work. Like at this point, like I don't like I've never run a kick like an actual Kickstarter like myself personally. So like I don't really have any experience in like the actual nitty gritty details of that sort of area. But like following the campaign as it went along and everything was like was exciting. And like I like I would also do my best like promote and everything as well like on social media sharing stuff from Quindry Press or like, like making post stuff about like about the about the Kickstarter as well to like to get more eyes on it and to like to get more support for it as well and to just like keep getting keep getting it out there. I think this is all, like on a sort of different note, like with the Kickstarter with the Kickstarter. Although like Tilt was successfully funded, like mm. luckily, but. I think, like, compared to some other anthologies that I've been involved in that I've seen as well, I think it was slower going this year. Like, not any fault, like, of Quindry Press or anything, but I think it's yeah. just, like, the sort of current economic climate that we're in at the moment, like, the whole cost of living crisis that people are in, that, like, society is in, and then also the impact that has on, like, on, on like, on everything as well. Because, like, printing, like, printing costs have, like, gone up. Yeah. So that's all more expensive, like doing that, shipping like doing costs. that sort of stuff. Yeah, shipping costs as well. So like printing, printing books, shipping them is all more expensive. That costs more money. People have less money now as now as well as they're like like being squeezed, like finally like being squeezed like financially. And so like the cat, like the campaign for tilt was slower in comparison to what I've seen what I've seen before and although we hit our hit our target goal and like we even like 
managed to hit like a like a bonus goal as well. Like okay. compared to previous Kickstarters, like for this kind like for comics I've seen, it like the progress was slower and like it took longer for us to fulfill the goal as well. And it's not just it wasn't just the, the Quint Quindry Press like tilt campaign either. Like I've seen it like with other like comic anthology like Kickstarters that were happening around the same time as well, where it took longer than like that longer than it normally would for them to like hit like hit their success goal and like they've noticed well even for like people who are like really experienced with running comic kickstarters to have done it like loads of times before like they've noticed it as well like there's like a bit bit of a deep like it's it's slower than before and it's a bit of a bit of a, de- a decrease i mean it's, it's a good thing you you mentioned uh, uh for anyone who might be listening who's interested in kickstarter as a platform to release their work i'm definitely interested we plan to do more kickstarter campaigns not exactly sure when i'm thinking thinking january because kickstarter have their uh, is it like make 100 uh like promotional period so looking at that but just that point about the world that we live in and how that impacts the i guess not necessarily the creation part but the promotional part mm-hmm. the, the finance part because that is uh, the two main reasons for Kickstarter is the the promotion and the finance, and that you're seeing that that slowdown. So I can imagine that that felt a bit like even in <laughs> even when we weren't in a cost of living crisis, like from my perspective, Kickstarters were 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 tense. It's a tense thirty days because I, as of yeah, I've, I've never been that person launching Kickstarter and like yeah, we're funded in the first hour. Like I've I've seen those. <laughs> like uh, I'd love I'd love to be uh, that person. Never been. So it's always been a. Mm-hmm. relative like slow going was that a tense process for you like being that in that position uh a little bit as it went along just because like it was going i think slower than everybody expected it would and like to actually hit like the target the target goal so i think at, like not at the beginning so much but as it like went along sort of like the middle like the middle and then we're saying like mm, we still like we still haven't hit and everything like mm. i think it did get i think it did get a little tense because like i don't think we hit the target goal until quite near the end of the campaign and right. so there was that bit of tension like sort of right up until the end it's like is it gonna yeah. is it gonna hit it or not okay yeah no i've, I've definitely been there definitely been there <laughs> um so then you're in the, the post successful campaign and just to explain for people who you know might not be familiar with the the creative side is what stage are you at now is like the all the stories were done already right what's the what's the process what are you looking to do and do next yes so like so with tilt we hit like we hit the campaign goal so and like well like the books have now been printed and like they should be going they should be going out to the back like to like everyone who back back like a physical book like pretty soon and at thought bubble like quindry press is going to be there as well and so they will also have like copies copies of tales as well as all their other books there to sell as well so now i guess it's just like well <laughs> well i guess like ce- celebration i suppose <laughs> yeah. yeah i guess yeah celebrate a successful campaign uh mm-hmm. definitely worth celebrating mm-hmm. although I, I i guess for you you might not have bunch of time to celebrate because you've also got another kickstarter campaign so um <laughs> you've got a new campaign which is how to get out of detention uh, a, mm-hmm. a comic for immigrant detainees mm-hmm. so do you just like jump from campaign to campaign never giving yourself a rest uh, explain <laughs> what, what, what the thinking is there <laughs> uh, i guess i i guess it's kind of like kind of been a bit a bit like that since i've been like into comics like i mean 
there probably ha- like there has been some break, like breaks in between, but I guess it's kind yeah I kind of have been sort of jumping between like pro- like different projects and different campaigns over the years, and like that like how to get out attention is the most most recent one now with Quindry like with the Quindry Press one I think. Because that one, like the comic I did for that was like sixty, like sixteen pages, so that was a bit more intensive, and I didn't like couldn't really take on anything else like at the time as well. But now Tilt's done and everything. There's how to get out attention, so that's the newest one that I'm involved with right now. Okay, and just explain the the backstory and the actual story of the comic, if you could. Mm-hmm. So how to get out of detention? So this will be like this will like this is going to be a comic, but uh, basically like me and some other artists, like other comic artists, were approached by Each Other UK. So like they're a charity organization, and the idea behind like this comic is that like it's going to be like a sort of self like a self help document, like how to get out of detention for like for like refugees and for like 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 immigrants in like in detention right now so like because it's based on like an existing guide on an existing document so how to get out of detention but the idea behind the comic is to basically make it more accessible for like for the people who need it most because like the current document like there might be a lot of like legal jargon or it might be more comp- more complicated than like a lay person can understand so the idea behind the comic is basically to make it more accessible and more easily easily digestible as well to like to help these people so you're taking like existing information and then there's some form of adaptation like you said maybe taking more mm-hmm. complex or legalese language and then yeah. spelling it out in a simplified way in a comic mm-hmm. format for people. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, like, I'm just one of the artists that would that would be involved in it. So, like, there's also like Chaslin Khan, like Saba Khan as well, who are also who are also like involved as well. I think cool. like we would just do like a page and pay, a page each, and then there's another artist who's like doing like like more like more of the comic itself. It's basically like a way to make it more accessible, like for for the immigrants who are locked up in detention who need like who need all the help that they, that they can get to like to get out of detention and to like like sort of deal with like the system that they're stuck in basically yeah that's it's interesting because like comics are typically or maybe stereotypically seen as fun light entertainment so how do you how do you challenge that? Well, so, how do you tackle that challenging subject with a medium that can be seen as, and is not my words, but from what I see from other people, like sort of trivial, light, funny? Because this is such a serious topic. Are there any additional considerations that go into making a comic that tackles a subject like detainees or so refugees? I think, well, with this one in particular, because like it's not just like a comic to tell like talking about like their story like there's a specific purpose behind it to like to inform and to educate like in a specific situation like how to like to help how to help detainees like get uh, get out of detention so i think with this one at least it's going to be slightly different because it's meant to be like what's the word like inform like informative yeah exactly rather than to entertain and so i think that will that will make a difference compared to like other comics that might be that might be out there because it's like an, it's an educational material with a purpose as opposed mm-hmm. to like as opposed to say like 
journalistic comics or like autobio comics which are like they're informative but it's their purpose is more to tell a story rather than to like educate or or to inform exactly yeah because you're trying to get across like actual information like factual information information that could sort of change um, people's lives Uh, i mean i've i've been going through a not a similar process in, in terms of that specific context, but making a comic story that is about factual information. So working on something for uh, for, for young people, so primary school students, mm-hmm. but around gas safety. And I've been going through the process where you obviously you make up a story, but then there has to be facts in there. And, and because it's gas, it's, it's very serious and a topic and you have to get mm-hmm. things right. So I guess in, yeah. in your situation, it is a, a case where, again, you've got to, get things right in, in that sense mm. yeah you have to get things right and then also like it because like the purpose isn't to like tell a story it's to inform like you can't be too abstract or conceptual mm. about it because you need to make sure like the people reading it like like understand like what what this comic is trying to say yeah no that's true and is that a, is that a new challenge for you because i guess from your perspective as a comic creator it, it's not something you do every day in your work is that have you found that a, a challenge to adapt well for this particular comic we haven't actually stuck we haven't started like actually work working on it yet because like we're hoping to like meet oh, like, to meet raise the, goal the funds to kickstart yeah yeah exactly to meet the goal so that we'll be able to make it so like we haven't actually started like working on anything for it yet but i imagine that like like once we do like definitely one of the challenges will be because like i quite like conceptual imagery and everything but obviously like that's not really gonna like work with this particular comic so it will be like a new like a new challenge as well like to make sure and a different challenge too to make sure that this is like coming across like like clearly and it's easy visual readability i would say yeah i get that okay well i mean yeah when we put this out and like we put our clips and things we'll uh, we'll share the link and Hopefully, people can uh, check it out and uh, contribute if they if they are able to. So, mm-hmm. uh, I also just, I guess wanted to talk about your work in general and just look at some of your uh, your inspirations, like how you put together uh, the work you do. So, I know you, you mentioned you're interested in sort of surreal, magical mythology mm-hmm. as well. This is always a good question for comic artists. Like, how would you describe your visual style? Uh, my visual style, I'd say you can definitely see the influence of like anime and manga in my in my sort of style. And then yeah. also I like working for the inking and pencils and all of that. I like working with traditional materials as opposed to doing it digitally, just because like it's easier for me. It's like I can move the paper around like to get at the angle I need to. And then it's just for me, it's like the control of the line, especially inking, is just a lot easier like to doing it traditionally as opposed to on a tablet like even with like with something like a Cintiq where it's like you draw straight to the tablet like there's still like a bit of a disconnect and then also the, con- the control is not quite the same so I prefer working traditionally and my work is very like focused on the line work so it's quite li- like line heavy and like it can't like it's quite detailed as well like I really enjoy like working like in like high de- high detailed ink work which like depending on the comic might not always be possible like if I have to work quite quickly but it's something I enjoy doing okay and you mentioned a 
influence of anime and manga has that been something that you've been you've always been interested in and do you have any favorite titles or particular inspirations uh, I think like, I mean I grew up watching like Pokemon and Digimon but like this was like back when I was a kid and I didn't really I didn't really like consciously know about anime and manga and I didn't realize that these were technically anime as well that they were originally Japanese but just like yeah. dub, like with really terrible American dubs <laughs> like that like I didn't know of any of that so like I didn't get into actual like anime or manga until I was like maybe like 15 16 15 16 somewhere somewhere around that sort of age when I started like actually knowing what anime manga is like actually getting interested in it I mean (laughs) I think a lot of people can say that but Death Note was like like, probably like one of my favorites like yeah growing up I was actually just recommending that to someone today Yeah, like me and my housemate were sort of like getting all nostalgic over it the other day actually and talking about like, oh, like we're gonna wa- like we're gonna watch it again, just like go back <laughs> to like this like very gothic, like edgy anime, uh, with the great opening opening and ending music as well. Mm. So that was one of my favorites. But I also really loved Subasa Reservoir Chronicle by like the manga circle clamp. They had such like gorgeous like I mean Clamp is known for like gorgeous like costume designs and really sprawling epic stories. So that was also one of my fa- my favorites growing up as well. Yeah, and it's funny you're not the only person I've spoken to who has said having an interest in anime and not realizing it's anime, just being <laughs> into it and and then later down the line sort of realizing like oh okay this is this is actually a thing and there's way more of this thing. <laughs> than I first <laughs> first imagined, <laughs> like way more. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, and in in terms of your uh, your art, so you mentioned your comic artist and illustrator. I'm gonna ask this maybe a silly question: What is the difference between a comic artist and an illustrator? Is there a difference? Uh, well, I would yeah, I would say I would say there's def- there's definitely a difference. Like can, there can definitely be crossover, like if you're interested in both sides, but. Not, I would say, like not all, not all illustrators like are comic artists or what or like want to be or can be, and um, like in comic artists, like not all of them want to be like like to do illustration necessarily either. Though I think it's probably easier for like a comic artist to do illustration work than for an illustrator who is like very like purely like an illustrator than to try and do comics. Not to say that one is like better or like harder or necessary than the other but it's like it's two like there are is like two different things like illustration it's broader in one way because illustration can cover like loads of different things like like you can get illustrations on like your packaging design or for, like posters or like picture books like illustration covers like a lot basically like commercial like artwork for a lot of different things whereas comics it's very like it's very much that's what it is it's just comics and like what is comics like usually you'd see like like a story told visually through panels like maybe maybe some speech bubbles as well but comics is very much like i mean there's loads of different types of like comic stories and like ways Mm. you can tell within comics but comics is very much i would say it's not as broad as illustration is like like the hallmark the visual hallmarkers of comics it's like quite clearly defined yeah okay and as well as sort of comics illustration, you you've also worked with concept art, mm-hmm. storyboarding, like theater set designs as well. What did mm-hmm. you start with? Like, because that's a, a, all very different 
like context for using your artistic skills like was there one that you started and then you spread it out uh, spread out to other areas well originally when I went thinking about what I wanted to do like career-wise and then like going through uni originally I wanted to be a concept artist because I liked the idea of like of designing mainly designing character designing characters and like costumes and stuff like that so I wanted to get into that and then like after I graduated uni I ended up working as like a 2d like a 2d artist for an indie games company and it was like like very it was like very small like just a startup so I was basically like as well as like concept art I was doing like animation like animation sprites UI design as well so basically all basically all of the art related <laughs> stuff because like it was like that small that studio and so I started off doing like start off doing that but then as I went along I kind of realized that I didn't really want to do this anymore because like I was doing a lot of stuff that I wasn't that interested in I UI design like also not interested in, and also I didn't think it was like really quite my strength as okay. well and then like animation I realized I really hated doing that because <laughs> it's like you're drawing the same thing like over and over again, but slightly. Yeah, it's time intensive. Yeah, and for like two seconds of animation or like doing a walking cycle or something like that. And then as well, like the thing is to like to get anywhere really in, in concept art or if you want to work in games, like especially if you're working for like indie studios where you might be taking, where you're, where the requirements of your role are going to be a lot more varied and broader because they've only got like a few of artists on their team. Like, yeah. A lot of the time, these like sort of roles they require you to have like some knowledge of three D and like I tried like I tried learning a bit of it during this job and I also I realized I also really hated working three D. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you found all the things that you didn't like doing, which is which is good in itself. Knowing what you don't like so you can go towards what you do like exactly and like like working there i kind of realized like oh, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff i don't like <laughs> i don't like having to do about a part of this job and then also like i kind of realized that uh, i think i'd rather just be an illustrator and then i can also like work traditionally as well because obviously in games mostly you're like you're pretty much exclusively working digitally mm. and like i like drawing like and line work and all the sort of thing as well so I kind of realized that mm, this wasn't really for me anymore or ever was really. And like I want what I wanted to do, like what I was actually interested in was more like illustration and storytelling. So as well as doing the artwork, you write your uh, the stories for for your work as well. So usually so I can only write, so I can't draw. So uh, I focus on that that one thing. You can do both. Is there one that I don't know if prefer is the right word, but is there one that you, you lean more towards, even though you can do both, and one that you're maybe trying to get better at? I guess we're all trying to get better at everything, but of the two, which one do you prefer? I mean, I think at this point, like, there isn't one that I necessarily prefer. It's the whole it's the whole package really, because like I've done I've had experience doing like illustration illustration work or like comic work for other people, like for other writers as well. And like, although, although there were times I, there were people I enjoyed working with and then other people were like, oh, it's okay. It was okay working with you. What I've always enjoyed most is creating my own stories. So like, create, like drawing for the, like drawing for my own comics or like drawing like the characters from my own stories. That's always what I've loved doing most and what I've enjoyed doing most. And so like, it's all like, 
intertwined together. Like I can't really separate one from the other or say that, oh, I prefer writing more or that I prefer drawing more because like the two like are intrinsically linked for me. Like when I'm, even when I'm just like doodling in my sketchbook, all of the time it's like, like most of the time it's always like my characters rather than anything else. Like in uni, like, it was kind of like sort of hammered into us like oh like you should be drawing in your sketchbook and like drawing like drawing from life and observational drawing and stuff and I did try like try to do that as well like outside of like you know requirements for an actual project but I just I always came back to like drawing my characters anyway and it just wasn't as in like as interesting for me to do like to do otherwise so it's all yeah. like I, I can't really say that I have a preference because it's all linked together okay no that that's fair I guess especially if you can you are able to do both, then it is just part of the same storytelling process. So then it, with that in mind, are there are there particular types of stories that you like to tell uh, as a creator? Do you find yourself leaning towards sort of one type of story over others? Hmm. I most enjoy writing, like doing like fictional stories and usually like fantasy or horror because <laughs> I like I like making like I like making things up. I like magic being able to like exist like designing like cool creatures and characters and costumes that couldn't exist in real life as well as like building worlds that couldn't like that couldn't exist in like in real life like worlds like societies and cultures and sort of figure out like the little details of it of like something entirely made up so like i like making like fantasy and like like horror comics as well yep. as like romance like romance comics as well like like queer romance and like with queer characters and everything because like that's the sort of like back like background that i come from that i can relate to let me see so you've got well, i say you we've got thought bubble because we're both going to be at <laughs> the thought bubble uh, comic convention uh, mm-hmm. so all those stories that you described are going to be i assume available over the weekend so you're going to have different stories so for those that don't know thought bubble is a two-day comic convention that happens north of England, uh, specifically a place called Harrogate, which is near Leeds. So basically uh, just up before you get to Scotland and then a bit further down. So it's an independent uh, focused comic convention. Uh, So I've been before and as I understand, this is your first time at Thought Bubble. Yeah, like first time at all. So I haven't even been as like uh, as a visitor either. So it's like First time exhibiting, first time being there at all. So it's going to be very interesting. <laughs> yeah. And it, like since the pandemic, when, you know, there were no conventions, have you been diving back into conventions? Is this your first convention since the pandemic? Uh, so this isn't my first convention since the pandemic. So I've done like, I think this year has probably been my, my busiest year for like events ever. Like I did MCM oh, London ever. in, yeah. <laughs> Cause <sighs> like I, I've done like small co- like comic fairs or like, very very little like very little ones like like zine fairs before like he, like here and there but this year like was my first time doing M- like mcm london so that was already like the biggest like oh, okay. convention yeah. that i'd ever like ever like tabled at so i did that and then also like i also did like pride like pride calf which if you haven't heard of it is like an like pride calf is stands for pride comic like uh, comic and arts fair or festival i can't remember which but it's one of those but it's based in bristol and like it's specifically for like like queer lgbt like 
comic artists and uh, creators. So like, like if you're queer and you do like comics and art, like I'd really recommend like applying to table there whenever they open uh, for like four tables again, like for next year. Like, yeah. so, like, what I've month is that? Uh, oh, my memory is really terrible. I can <laughs> I can never remember like when these things are. It's like autumn, so I think I think it was September this okay. year. So I think that'll be around the time it's happening. But like application will open sooner. But I'd really recommend like ta- like tabling with them. Like, so or just going there as well. So you've done that and London Comic Con, uh, going to do Thought Bubble, and interesting actually because I mean we were talking before we went live about some of my experiences at the london comic con so i haven't exhibited there this year but before the pandemic mm. we were doing a may october year after year thing mm. for a few years how did you find that like how and um, particularly because so uh, and again for those that might not know we're watching the london comic con is the i'm going to say the uk's biggest comic convention comic and pop culture convention it's uh, now operated by Weed pop who do uh, everything uh, new york comic con and, and others as well but the the comparison i i make is that it's not just about comics and, and in fact mm-hmm. i'd say even not even a majority of actually about comics versus something like thought bubble so when you were there at london comic con how did you find like interacting with um with with your work and just like in general observing it was like it was really good at MCM. Like I've been there before as a visitor quite a few times, and like MCM, like the deal is like you have Artist Alley, so that's the section where all the sort of like Indian, like indie independent artists, like will will sell their stuff. And like in like the years since I first started visiting MCM, like Artist Alley has gone a lot bigger. Like it's big, yeah, like, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. So there's a, like a lot. There's a lot of artists like. That they that they have there now, like the much bigger section, and so like when I tabled there for the first time this year, like I, it was really it was really good, like it was really well organized. Like I made like probably the most money I've ever made, like set like selling my stuff at like a like a comic fair or anything like that. It was like really good, and like people like there were loads of like there were loads of visitors who came and who were interested in my work. So like I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that is the. The thing about the London Comic Con, it, it has scale, so it attracts. I think it's like over a hundred thousand people over over the weekend. So you know, you'd like to think some fraction of those people will be interested <laughs> in in what you do. And then it sounds like uh, you managed to find some of those people. And like different conventions have different like vibes. And for something like you know the smaller ones, or I mean, Thought Bubble is pretty big in its own right, but because that's aimed more at indie comic creators, so the audience changes. Uh, the other creators change and everyone's there for like new interesting independently made stuff versus comic-con where you know a larger audience large part of the audience is there for maybe like Funko Pops mm-hmm. uh, uh, and yeah. comics but it, it's cool that they do seem to be expanding that um the comics village artist alley uh, area because you get booths now right you get like the, the shell kind mm-hmm. of seem because it used to be just a table like you just get a table uh, and nothing yeah. behind it but now you get a whole booth yeah, because like I remember, like back when I was visit- visiting, like like MCM, like before they didn't have booths or anything. It was just like tables and like mm. all quite close together. Whereas like this year, at least, the co- I presumably because of like COVID and everything, so they need to take more safety measures. So now there are like you get booths like with walls like separating you, and, like 
like you're normally only just sharing it like sharing like one booth with like one other table but there's still like like it's spacious there's reason- reasonable enough space like be- like between you guys and like around you as well so like it was, like it was quite a good setup actually because like we weren't like really cramped together plus like the space between like between rows was like decent enough like it was pretty like pretty spacious but not so spacious that you know it's gigantic and like people yeah. can just like sort of walk in the middle and never come like near your table <laughs> so it's like a, it was a good balance as well whereas before like mcm after saturday because it's like everything was like sort of all the t- there were no booths or anything and everything's close together and also like walkways were a lot more narrow as well mm. so trying to get like get anywhere could be like especially if it was like really busy like on a saturday it's been like Ooh, this is a bit cramped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember that. I do remember that. I'm trying to squeeze through the massive halls because they've arranged everything so tightly. So yeah, no, that that sounds good. I hope. Yeah, I hope I can get back to exhibiting there next year. We did do. We did a couple panels. One in May. Actually, yeah, one in May and October. So um, more on the the gaming side of my manner. But that was that was a good time as well. But yeah, more exhibiting will be cool as well. So. You mentioned something earlier about some advice you were getting like through university that didn't quite fit with you. And I always wondered with people doing like creative, creative works, like whether it's comics or in video games or something else, where whether you went to like school or university specifically for that particular thing that you're now in, it's always a constant learning process, even once you leave like formal education. So like in your in your career as a, uh, as a comic artist and uh, illustrator, like, what do you think you've had to learn? Like, is there a new skill you've had to learn since leaving like, university? Uh, like, I'd say, well, I'd say that was a lot I had to learn after leaving university, yeah. like, especially like with comics as well, because like when I was at uni, because because I thought like, oh, I want to be a concept artist. Like, I didn't really think about like pursuing comics as a career like especially because like i don't know about elsewhere but especially like here in the uk as like a western country like anything that looks like it's anime influence art teachers or like tutors or educators kind of like a lot of them like look down on it it's like um like no this isn't this isn't good like good it's just mm. like it all looks the same you should be drawing more from life and all this sort of thing and so like this is like why i was even more like oh i can't i, I can't make a career out of comics like with my art my art style the way it is and so because like i wasn't thinking about comics as a career like after i left uni and then after i realized like i didn't really like working games and started looking more into like illustration and to comics as potentially a career I had like basically everything about comics I had to teach myself because like I wasn't like because I wasn't really looking at it at uni as like as a potential career or like an option like I I didn't get like support in that area and like I didn't like teach myself anything that in that area either and so once I left uni once I left that job I had to basically teach everything like everything I know about comics to myself so I was like a self-taught comic artist and if, yeah you can definitely see that in my earlier work as well with like some certain like panel layouts or like how my speech bubbles are but I think I think that is like something that I have like gradually improved over time although like I definitely had like I definitely had help and improvement in this area when I did the like self-made heroes uh graphic anthology program so like for anyone who didn't like didn't know about it it was a pro like a program that 
the publisher, like comic publisher self-made hero ran. It was like a mentorship program. So like comic artists, like professionals from the industry, like Sonia, Lo- Sonia Leong, uh, Woodrow Phoenix, like Asya Farsi would run weekly uh, workshops and talks like for a selection of young like comic artists of color, like marginalized creators basically, and like sort of te- teaching them like different areas of comics, like uh, character design, uh, lettering, and like compositions and panel layouts and stuff like that. That like that definitely helped me like improve myself as like a comic artist like overall and like my visual storytelling skills. Like in the time of that mentorship, I think I learned more in that mentorship than I ever learned at uni. So wow. like that how was how long something... was the mentorship? You said weekly. How many weeks? Uh, again, my my memory's really terrible. <laughs> and this was like this was also happening in the first year of the lockdown as well. So oh, like, time oh, wow. was also oh, sort yeah, of a blur. Yeah, then. yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's it's basically just one long day that was. <laughs> yeah, but it was a good it was a good few months because like as well as doing like the weekly mentorship uh, sessions, each like each of the mentees like had to work on like a short comic that would be put together in an anthology that Self Made Hero published. Like that was called Catalyst. So we had to. Like, we had to do that as well. So it was like a good, like, it was a good few months that dancership went on. And what was something that non technical skill that you learned in that mentorship? A non technical skill? Yeah. Mm. I think I learned more about the business side of being in comics, like, especially from Sonia, because, like, Sonia was an amazing mentor to work with and she's very business savvy as well. And so I learned, like, I learned a lot more about, like, oh, like, about, like, how to make conventions work like work for you and like old stuff how to make like patreon work for you as well and like maybe what fees you should be charging like for commissioned work as well so i learned a lot of that was a good lesson yeah yeah yeah, definitely yeah that's really cool no it's good that there are programs like that to sort of help people get in because I, i guess as you just demonstrated you don't necessarily get that kind of opportunity or support or even the opposite you get actively negative <laughs> like feedback on getting into it but it's something that that can be done uh, we're actually going to have a conversation on our podcast story x story podcast um about sort of the the business of of comics and how yeah how to sort of navigate that like that so uh, that's something i'll sort of mention uh, the podcast before we uh, before we end but we're near the, we are near the end but uh, I do want to, I've got a few questions. I've got one more question and then I've got a quick fire bonus round set of questions. So one question I, I have is inspiration. What are you, what are you consuming now story-wise? So watching, reading, playing that uh, inspires you? Uh, well, I sort of generally like, like folklore and fairy tale mythology, like it inspires me a lot. At the moment, I'm working on a project that I can't really talk about right now. Like, it's exciting. And, like, if it comes to something... Secret projects. Yeah. It'd be really exciting, like, if something comes of it. But at the moment, like, I can't really talk about it. But for that one, like, I've been sort of taking a lot of inspiration from, like, a lot of it's, like, middle grade, like, graphic novels. Stuff like uh, The Prince and the Dressmaker uh, by Jen Wang, uh, The Deep and the Dark Blue by Nikki Smith. And like Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me by uh, Mariko Tamaki and like illustrated by Rosemary Valero O'Connell. So like like those like sort of books like are sort of in the background, sort of informing this pro- like in- informing and inspiring like this particular project. So that that's sort of inspiring me at the moment. All right, and some bonus questions. 
so I write, so I'm a storyteller, and I also do workshops with, uh, with young people in, in schools and colleges, um, things like that, and, and just helping them understand a bit of the storytelling process. Uh, and as I was doing that, I've come to realize that a lot of storytelling kind of apply to real life. So for example, you know, we're all the lead characters in our, in our own stories. So as a protagonist of your own story, like what stands out, um, what attributes stand out about you? Like what are you best at? Like what are your protagonist characteristics? I'd say I'm like, I work, like, I work very hard, like, and I'm able to focus on working on something for like quite, quite a while. Like I work, like, although I do comics and illustration, I also can't, like, I currently work like a full-time job. So like Monday to Friday, like nine to five thirty, like every day. And then like anything like all my comic stuff and illustration stuff I've been doing, like mostly in my evenings, sometimes my weekends as well. So like I'd say hard, like hard working, wanting to put in the graft. So cool. always wishing I had more time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah uh, I get that. So actually that might cover the next question because in this story of, uh, of your life, so uh, you being a protagonist, there's always uh, a goal for the protagonist, right? So there's always something you're striving towards, but then you get your uh, your antagonist or your forces of antagonists. So what's the main challenge that, uh, that you have and, and how do you work to overcome it? <laughs> well, again, main challenge is like, not enough time to do everything, <laughs> everything that I want like want to do and at the moment I'd say that I don't know if I'm really like overcoming it so to speak like I'm basically uh, what I'm doing is working around it and doing the best I can I don't know if I'm really like overcoming it uh, yeah, right you, now you and me both yeah <laughs> <laughs> I feel you on that yeah all right so then uh, on this like uh hero's journey if you will there it tends to be the uh, supporting characters. So uh, who are the biggest supporting characters on your journey? Oh, well, I definitely say like my like my mum is like is one of them. Like like I know with like like with Asian people there's always the sort of stereotype like oh parents always want you to be doctor or lawyer or <laughs> like, whatever like or whatever and like and like it's not like not every Asian parent is like that but it is like this stereotype like is kind of rooted in a truth. But, like, I mean, luckily for me, my mum's always been, like, fairly laid back. And, like, she comes from an artistic background as well. Like, she used to be an animator. So, like, cool. already came, like, out, already came from, like, this background in our family. Like, she was the, uh, she was actually the only artistic, like, artistic member in her family. The rest are, like, anchors or, compu- or computers or things like that. So, like, <laughs> she's already an artist herself. And, like, I grew, like, grew up, like, being encouraged to draw, being encouraged to write and, like, do all these sort of creative things. So, like, so, like my mum was, like, my first supporter and she's still like my support like supporter now i mean there's also like my boyfriend as well who's like he's a musician so he's also a creative like he comes from that sort of background and like he's like been there to like cheer me on and then like also like come with me to help table at conventions and like mm. like look after my table and take like take payments when i like need to go to the bathroom oh, yeah. or like to go look around and things like that so like he's definitely like a big supporter as well cool all right and where's your journey heading like what what does success look like uh, to you as a comic artist and illustrator i would like to like i think like success would be to to publish like more like to publish more of my bigger stories because like right now mostly i've done like short comics like in anthologies and maybe like a couple of short comics i've self-published like on my own but 
success for me would be able to be able to publish like one of my like bigger the bigger projects I have in mind like a graphic novel or a web comic or a series and for like for people to like it to be interested in the stories and to like care about the characters yeah I like that I like that that's um yeah it's always good to know like the direction you're heading which is cool so those are my bonus questions and we have now reached the end of our conversation so Dominique thank you for taking the time to chat about your um, your background your craft uh, the work you do and what you've got coming up next so I will see you uh, at Thought Bubble in just a few short days I say as I have to pack um, but no thank you for joining me <laughs> yeah thank you for having me it's been really lovely chatting to you and I look cool. forward to seeing you at Thought Bubble which this week's going to be crazy <laughs> in the run-up yeah to yeah uh, remind me which uh, which hall are you in uh, so I'm in Comicsology at table uh, 53 uh, so like I'll be sharing that with uh, like with like, with a couple of like, couple of other comic artists there as well so that uh, you'll yeah you'll find us at table 53 <laughs> Cool. I am also in Comicsology on 122. So, yeah, somewhere there yeah. I'll, I'll find you. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> cool. So if you're at Thought Bubble as well, yeah, come see us if you happen to be by Harrogate. If not, we've got our social media, which is on the overlay. I've conveniently placed them where they can easily be seen. So you can catch us on Twitter, on Instagram. I will also put a link to our podcast the story x story podcast where we have more conversations so we do deep dives into stories across pop culture we also have interviews and discussions we've got one coming up on uh, black adam uh, we had a good deep dive there we've got another one uh, discussion on nfts and cryptocurrencies and the metaverse so probably our most controversial episode uh, yet so depending on how you feel about those things you may or may not want to listen but we have a bunch of other episodes as well. So uh, we also do things in video games as well as make our own stories. So Maya Mada is a manga universe. So I, as I mentioned, I write um, and have an artist, uh, Penali, who can draw. And we work together in our small team to produce manga style graphic novels and comics within that universe. So this has been another episode of Casual Conversations with Comic Creators. Make sure you are following us on Twitch so you can catch the next one live and other, other live streams uh, that we do uh, as well. Thank you for joining us and we will see you again next month. Take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.